Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of all things film and television. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Derek Wong. So, first episode of the new year, 2022. I think we're going to spend this week taking a look back at 2021 and come up with each of our top 10 movies of the year. Weird year, 2021. A lot of uncertainty in the air... Um, not a lot of movies made that much money. Most of the big earners this last year were the big tent poles, you know, Marvel, Disney stuff. But just because movies didn't make money, it doesn't mean uh, they weren't good. I think there were a lot of good movies last year, and we should talk about some of them. A lot of the movies we've covered on the podcast before, some of them we haven't. But I think the best thing to do is just to go around the room and uh, list our top tens, right? Um, should we just get into it? Uh, I guess I can go first. All right, so my number 10 was Malignant, and Jeff, I'm looking at you, man. Did you have this on your list? <laughs> I did not have Malignant on my list. Uh, How? How could you betray me? <laughs> yeah, that's surprising, man. It missed my list by like a couple spots. It's definitely going in my honorable mentions when I write my article. Um, I don't know. I loved it, but it's just a little too camp for me. Not like for my enjoyment. I love that stuff, right? Like... If you listen to our Malignant episode, I, I love <laughs> um, James Wan's take on this Giallo camp. But there are definitely a lot of stuff that I just think are better, even though I love, yeah. love, love, love Malignant. There's definitely, I think, for me, when I put this list together, there's a little bit of an asterisk next to this movie. Knowing full well that this is like not objectively, I think, one of the best movies of the year. But this may be just like one of my favorite movies of the year, right? Like, I think the experience of watching it, even our conversation about it, right? Like, you know, coming to the realization that like all of us kind of had the same thoughts and the first half isn't the strongest. It's a little bit by the numbers, by the books. But just that second half is just like batshit crazy to the point where it's seriously one of the best like movie experiences I've had this year. Yeah. Such a great twist. I love yeah. that twist. I just wanted to kind of pay respect to like that i think not to say that this movie's bad but it was more the experience i had with this movie i think really helped elevate it onto my list man now you're making me feel guilty for not putting this on <laughs> <laughs> um amir you still haven't seen it but you should definitely I see actually this haven't, yeah but definitely go on my to watch list given that it's made Derek's top 10 i'm impressed uh we're gonna stop this episode and we'll come back once I mean, no <laughs> <laughs> right once i've done all the homework exactly all right so have either of you seen my number nine barb and star go to vista del mar i have okay i have not sorry i'm over two right now I'm Oh, it's all good. I mean, this was not just one, but like maybe my favorite comedy of this year. This is for me the superior Jamie Dornan movie of the year. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's crazy to think that this kind of movie, I think, maybe had its peak in like the 2000s, right? Like late 90s, maybe 2000s with things like Austin Powers and, and all those kind of movies. And I didn't think a movie like this could exist in 2021. And Mm -hmm. yet I found it so delightful, so funny. And kind of like this successor to like Austin Powers. Like, I don't know how you felt, Jeff. Uh, it was very hit or miss for me. 
mm-hmm. thought a lot of the absurdist humor was really funny. Some of the other jokes kind of fell flat. Um, mm-hmm. I just couldn't really get on its wavelength. I respect the choice because I've definitely seen other people put this on their top tens, and uh, um, it's definitely a fun choice. But I couldn't totally vibe with this one. Yeah, and I felt kind of bad for this movie. I mean, it was on VOD for a while. Like, it never actually, yeah. I don't think it actually hit theaters because it was during that time where like movies were still not back in theaters. And like, I think hopefully people can find it on like streaming and and because i think it's on either hulu or amazon prime right now i can't remember which one but Mm -hmm. definitely check it out it's really funny i really enjoyed it and again i think technically maybe not one of the best movies of the year but i honestly had a ton a ton of fun with this movie and i really loved it yeah who's in Um, it as a Kristen wig Kristen wig yeah uh uh, jamie dornan jamie dornan and then Kristen Wiig does the whole, like, play the hero. Oh, she plays villain. the villain, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like Austin awesome um, Powers, yeah. Austin awesome Powers and everything. So, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. Um, so, my number eight, I have to guess. I have to guess it's higher on one of your guys' list, uh, which was Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Yeah. You guys hate me for putting it this no, low? No, no, I'm <laughs> no. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Not at all. I'm glad it made your top ten at all. I mean, uh, Jeff and I saw this together, actually. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Um, in New York, and uh, I think I could speak for Jeff and say that we really both loved it. Um, yeah. I've seen it twice now. Oh, nice. Oh, really? Um, oh, nice. Yeah, you I, I went with my wife once again. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. What did she think? Did she like it? I didn't hear what she said. Uh, I think she thought it was a little too freewheeling for her. Like, uh, okay. it's a little all over the place, but... It is. Um, it is. It is. It is. It's, 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 it's a little shaggy, I think. It can, um, yeah. It gets a little messy in the middle. I do think it's PTA's most accessible movie, I want to say. Absolutely. Yeah. It's his most I almost fun, certain. I would mm-hmm. say. It's his funniest, mm-hmm. for sure. Um... But still, some great performances in it. I don't blame you for putting it lower on your list. I mean, we've watched a lot of movies. Top ten is like pretty uh, rarefied air. <laughs> yeah, rarefied air. So we didn't get to do no, we haven't, this yeah. movie. Uh-uh. So we haven't really talked about it. Like, I think it's a little bit lower on my list because I was really affected by the racist joke that happens in this movie. Okay, like that was. A little hard to swallow, especially so early in the movie. And then it doubles down on it because it does it again, right? It it doesn't just do the joke once. It does it twice. So, like, I really, really enjoyed the performances by the stars, right? Um, Cooper Hoffman and um, Alana Haim. They were just so great. I can't believe that this is basically both their first, like, starring roles. And they were genuinely great. Great on PTA to get that performance out of them. And, like, they really carried this movie. Like, the movie is basically, you know, it, it's it's them, right? Like, there really isn't really any, like, uh, major characters other than those two. And mm-hmm. I love coming-of-age movies. I love romance movies. I love teen movies. That's kind of, like, all of this. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like that the racist joke kind of mars it for me a little bit. Yeah. I didn't find it like offensive, offensive. I mean, like, well, one time I, I looked at a mirror, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> and then again, when I watched it with my wife, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, um, mm. it's very uncomfortable. And I think Paul Thomas Anderson, he's trying to make this commentary about like this type of person that, I mean, first of all, this, this guy, so to sum it up, he does this very racist, fake Japanese accent um, mm-hmm. because his wife is Japanese. But he's clearly painted as a buffoon, right? He's not yeah. supposed to be, like, funny or anything. But the joke itself is very, very unfunny. It's not funny at all. And it's very unnecessary. Like, you could take that out. The movie would be 
unchanged. Like it wouldn't yeah. suffer. Right. It yeah. wouldn't suffer at all. Right. So that's my only problem. Like you can totally excise that problematic part, and like you would have the, basically the same movie. Um, well, you really would. I think. Uh, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze on that one. But yeah, for yeah. me, the cheap laugh did work for me because it just made him look like such an idiot. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I didn't think the movie was unclear at all about who you were supposed to be laughing at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't take it as being anti-Asian. Anyway. I, I, I thought it's like, oh, this guy's a racist idiot. And like kind of haha, he's dumb. But like maybe that wasn't done well enough that it was unambiguous or and, and I definitely agree it wasn't necessary. Like it's not core to the movie at all. Um and you could definitely mm-hmm. remove it, I think, without I don't know, hurting the movie. I was just gonna say that the big thing is that I don't really trust the audience to I don't know if this makes sense. I don't trust the audience to laugh in exactly the appropriate what you're say. way. I know exactly what you're gonna say, yeah. <laughs> right? Like Oh, are you laughing at the funny accent, or are you laughing that this guy's a fucking idiot, right? Because if you're laughing mm-hmm. that he's a fucking idiot, that's fine. If you're laughing as a funny accent, that's not as okay to me, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I agree with you, but I think that oh, that's hard because I get what you're saying, right? But yeah. is that the fault of the artist, right? Or is it the fault of the right. dumb racist audience, right. Yeah. right? Like, and also you have to know your audience, and if you're gonna do something that can be easily misconstrued, maybe you should make it less ambiguous. But then, I don't know who's to say, you know, that the job of the artist is to do social commentary. I don't know. We could go in circles on this, right? But yeah, um, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I have a thick skin when it comes to that, so I kind of just shrugged <laughs> it off. But I understand if that really, like, kind of put a taint on the experience for you a little bit, Derek. Well, okay. But I will say that I think, like, Licorice Pizza also gave me one of my favorite movie moments, I think, of this year. And I'm thinking of the downhill neutral car truck in truck. yeah it's so good like how do you make a car going in neutral exhilarating and like that's it how, yeah. how do you do that i guess praise to, to pta for that because that shit was awesome and like that's definitely one of my favorite uh sequences i think i've seen in a theater this year yeah and i want to say alana heim probably my favorite performance of the year is in mm. this movie i think she's Ooh. just phenomenal in this she's yeah, she so is fucking good at capturing this young woman who is just totally lost at like what to do caught between like adolescence and adulthood you know on the other side of the controversy coin is this age gap age gap mm-hmm. discussion which okay, i think dumb. is it is dumb it's completely dumb and kind of like the whole point of the movie cuz like this whole time she's struggling with her connection with Gary right do you think it's weird that I have with Gary and his team? Yeah, exactly, I, like, like, exactly. I mean, um, and the movie gets so much mileage out of that, and I think it's just fucking phenomenal. It's a great performance. And let's not shortchange, like, Cooper Hoffman, too. He's so good. Yeah, so good. Um, channeling his dad a little bit, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Promising start to a career. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. These are both, both of them. Uh, both of them, yeah. What, debuts? Yeah. 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 Not the best um, debuts of the year, but definitely up there. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I think I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> I was just gonna say, my wife didn't particularly like Sean Penn or Bradley Cooper in this. She was I like, thought oh, Bradley, Cooper Bradley Cooper was, was funny. Okay to me. She was like, you could like, lose both of them, um, and you'd have pretty much the same movie. But I disagree. I don't think you can, right? Because both of those characters are like Alana's trying to get their attention, 
um, as she struggles with her relationship with Gary. That's like the whole point. More age gap discourse. <laughs> yeah. Both of those were very funny performances too, Sean Penn and I thought uh, so. I thought Bradley so. Cooper. Yeah. I liked them. Good movie. Good PTA movie. I, I've spoken in the past. Like, PTA is definitely hit or miss for me. I do like this one, though. Uh, but that's probably because, you, like you said, it is, I feel like, the most accessible of his movies I've seen. So, yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I like his stuff, and it doesn't always go down easy. I'm, yeah. I, I'm totally with yeah. you, man. Uh, number seven, we had our discussion on it already. You know, Spencer, uh, I love mm-hmm. this movie. Uh, you talk about your favorite performance of the year, I think. This might be mine. Yeah, um, it's up when there. When it comes to Christmas Stewart, yeah, like I love this movie. I I still think about some of the sequences, like the the pearl yeah. eating sequence and the cutting herself, and like even just like the beautiful ending with like the jacket and everything. Like I I do really love this movie. Very strange dissonance with regular movie going folk. Uh, I think pretty much everyone fucking hates this movie. Except for, like, <laughs> critics. Um, oh, most of the comments shit. on, like, my Facebook page in response to this movie review that I wrote was, like, pretty negative. They're like, this movie is dog shit. Um, I think it's, like, a mix of, like, weird fucking royalists and people Yeah, who I was gonna think, say, there's gotta be some weird royal. Yeah. Some people are also mad how they portrayed Diana. Like, oh, she's fucking unhinged. Which I can kind of see. Yeah, I mean, but, if you're kids or something, you definitely want to see this portrayal of your mom, right? But but a lot of the stuff, like, the most extreme stuff in this movie is, like, all in her head, right? And, like, I think right. Pablo Lorraine does, like, a very good job of, like, of having this dream-type uh, logic to things where it's clearly not real, right? Yeah, um, it wasn't at all what I expected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a horror movie. I didn't expect it as a horror movie. I think yeah. that's why you like it, and I think that's why a lot of people are upset by it, because that's not what they expected either, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's not your typical biopic. Yeah, they wanted a crown and jewels type of drama with the royal family, and I don't think you really... You get a little bit of that, but it's not really what this movie is trying to portray. Like, It's not like the crown, you know what I mean? If you want that, go watch Naomi Watts' horrible diana movie <laughs> i was gonna say aren't there a bunch of other diana yeah. things going on right now yeah. too, right isn't there also the play as well i think so yeah yeah this was seven for you derek seven yeah all right this is my six so around the same area around the uh, same area okay yeah amir do you have it on your list i have it on my list as well oh, nice. um and uh yeah it's seven actually so oh, oh same, same <laughs> nailed it so we yeah. all had nailed it around it. the same place nailed it. Right, yeah. i mean i think it's a, it's a probably a better performance than a movie. Yes, not, I remember what. But, us but not by much. Yeah. Not by yeah. much. Yeah. It, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I remember you saying that during our episode. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think this was like again another one of those movies in 2021 with kind of a shaggy second half. Like, but um, where, the, where the first half was a lot tighter. But yeah, still, uh, still really good. Obviously, yeah. keep going, Derek. Yeah, uh, number six is the last duel. Uh, in the movie we already talked about when we did our Ridley Scott Power Hour episode, uh-huh. uh, um, dude, criminally underseen movie. Uh, still, I don't know what to say about this other than the shit rules. Uh, yeah, I still love his narrative device of the same story told in like three different perspectives. And I think this movie's hopefully coming to like streaming soon. I, I really hope more and more people catch this in 2022. Yeah, it's so good. This movie rocks. Yeah, I mean, I think every trial should be settled by medieval. <laughs> that's how that's how yeah. good this movie is. No more courtroom dramas. <laughs> it's all about the duels. This, this this was awesome. I don't think this movie exists without Game of Thrones. By the way, really, you don't think so? 
I don't. I mean, I know it's like of a piece with his sort of historical yeah. blockbuster epics, but I don't know. It, it, it feels like that paved the way for You don't think for, it would have been greenlit to... if we didn't have Game of Thrones? <laughs> he is really Scott. <laughs> yeah, really Scott can kind of do what he wants. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe Game of Thrones has nothing to do with it. I don't know. Just all that popped in my head. Maybe it makes no yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, the medieval action drama is just like his strength, you know? And mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't hit, but like, this one's got like this great screenplay, you know, by Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Nicole Hobbsinger, and a great Jodie Comer performance. Yeah. Fucking Matt great. Damon and Adam Driver. Such scumbag roles. They're so good in this. Yeah, they're too. great. And Ben um, Affleck's really Ben great Affleck, in this too. too. I'll fucking love Ben Affleck. Um, He's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, it's hilarious. Honestly, uh, great performances all around in this whole thing, yeah. Yeah, very layered movie, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the subjectivity of the events of this movie is very thoughtful. It's just yeah. great. Uh, uh, actually, one thing I wanted to mention about this movie, but also I kind of forgot to mention about Malignant, is that I was not expecting that some of the best action from this year would be in these two movies. Like, I would have never said, like, Oh, mm. like I'm looking forward yeah, to the yeah, freaking yeah. action in Last Duel and then also Malignant, right? Right. In a year where there's a Matrix movie and a Spider-Man movie and all kinds of Marvel yeah. movies, yeah. it's really pretty impressive. I mean, he blows the rest of them out of the water, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ridley is like, this is the last one. We got to make it count, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep, after this, no more duels. Yeah. Um. yeah. My number five, I haven't talked to you guys about this, so I don't know if either of you have seen it, which is uh, Lin-Manuel's directorial debut i guess in tick tick boom the story of jonathan larson's career and his start before he creates rent right like the, one of the most seminal like musicals to ever hit broadway um mm-hmm. have either of you seen this or no musicals and movies about <laughs> musicals are just not my jam so yeah yeah, yeah. it's like a meta musical um, movie right? yeah, it's, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just, i hear but, it's uh, good andrew garfield yeah. i love andrew garfield but mm-hmm. uh I just had to give it a mess. Myself to <laughs> it's all good. Push play on this one. Like one of the last movies actually I saw before we did this episode is actually West Side Story, uh, the Steven Spielberg. Yes. And I really enjoyed that. I think Steven Spielberg is like the guy can't do wrong in a sense, you know, like he can mm-hmm. just do anything. Blockbusters. He does Russian spy dramas. He, he does musicals and like they're all great. But mm. I think... And I don't know if you would agree with me here, Jeff. Like, I think the first half of that movie is much better than the second half. Of West Side Story? Um, West Side Story. Um, I oh. think for me, Ansel Edgord did not sell me as the Tony character. I think oh. everyone around him is much stronger. And I think the, the second half really hinges on him. Uh, very much keeping the tradition of Tony being the shitty character in the, in the musical. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tony's are usually bad. And Ansel Elgort is not that great in this. Um, yeah. But I loved West Side Story. Sorry. No, I, I did too. I really enjoyed it. And it made my short list. You know, I was thinking about putting it on this list. But in the end, I really okay, loved it. so it's not on it. No, it's not. But And I'm just trying to compare, like, for me, I guess I brought that up because I'm kind of comparing. Like, it was like, do I put Tick, Tick, Boom or do I put West Side Story? And I think, like, for me, I put Tick, Tick, Boom because I think some of the actual, like, musical numbers, I think, were much more inventive and something, like, I haven't seen in other musicals, which I really enjoyed. But also, mm-hmm. like you've already mentioned it, the Andrew Garfield performance is amazing. And I think, for me, I felt the passion, maybe not more than West Side Story. There's definitely a passion for and love for this this person that, I mean, naturally, you don't really get out of West Side Story, right? It's just kind of a retelling of a musical movie that was a retelling of a, a, a stage play, right? Or a musical on stage. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, I think that's why like I gravitated more towards Tick Tick Boom than I did West Side Story. Yeah, I mean I can't compare them to because I didn't see Tick Tick Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, but West Side Story like it almost made my list. I genuinely do love that because like you know like you said. Steven Spielberg just can't miss. He's so on top of his game here. Everyone's on top of their game. Maybe not Ansel Elgort, but, uh, <laughs> but the yeah. reason I didn't put it on my list, it would probably be like on my short list, like you said. It was the same as you. Like, it is just a retelling of West Side Story. And, and a lot of the stuff is familiar. And I kind of want to reward other things that are like mm-hmm. more original than West Side Story. But I love West Side Story. I want to see it yeah. with my mom. Uh, pack theater. I wish it was doing better in theaters. Yeah. Um, Opposite. But... It was just me and my fiance. We we're the only ones in the theater. How's uh, Lin Manuel Miranda's directing in Tick Tick Boom? Because I've heard not very generous things about it. I, uh, I think Spielberg is the better director <laughs> when it comes sure. to like, <laughs> like musicals and whatnot. <laughs> um, but I think. His arrangement of the music and, like I said, there are some really pretty inventive set pieces when it comes to, like, the actual musical okay. numbers that I really liked. So, I, I think Jonathan Larson arranged those music numbers, too. So, like, it, you can't give him all the credit. It is a combination of both their minds together that brought together Tick, Tick, Boom. I really enjoyed it. But I, I can mm. definitely see that it's not the better movie, per se, when we're talking about, like, direction, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so my number four was Dune. I think if you guys remember, we talked about this. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is going to make it on my top 10 already. And it, it pretty much stayed there. Uh, I absolutely love this movie. I don't mind that it's like the first half of a complete, I guess, story. I still really love the spectacle of it all. Like I remember feeling so just in awe. And I think I remember you saying in our review that like it wasn't since the movie like The Matrix that I've kind of felt like that. So I, I definitely had to include it in my top ten. Yeah, I just couldn't bring myself to put half a story in my top ten, I think. <laughs> uh I think that was my big hurdle. I did like Dune a lot. Um a little cold for me too. Iraq is well known for being cold. <laughs> I mean I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Denny Villeneuve is, is a fantastic director. Everyone's great in this. Timmy, Zendaya, especially. Uh, Timmy. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, everyone's good in this. Oscar Isaac. Duncan Idaho. Uh, Jason Momoa. Fantastic in this. He's great. Amir, do you have this on your top ten? So, I was the one who liked this the least. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, but surprisingly, this did make the cut. Just barely. Yeah, I think this is a movie that... It's of a piece with another movie on my list where I sort of admire it more than I like it. I'm glad that this is a thing that exists and was tried. Um, he definitely like cares about Dune, cares about getting it right, has a style, has a vision. Like, yes, it's an adaptation of pre-existing property in another medium, but um, it's not just like uh, your typical franchise sequel type movie right? Um, mm-hmm. He really is aiming for something here. And the fact that I don't think he necessarily hits it still doesn't mean that it's not something worth acknowledging. So this actually did surprisingly didn't make my list when I thought about it. Uh, number three, I'm pretty sure made everyone's list at some spot. And I'm guessing as high or maybe higher than where I put this, but number three was Tatan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I still remember what we said. I still do have some issues with like the first third of this movie, but I just think the last two thirds of this movie is just beautiful and haunting at times. Um, I remember our discussions about like the body horde of it all. I made the joke about Venom, right? The black ooze that's just like spewing out of her body. But also that beautiful ending with this hybrid baby being born. Like I was pretty sure this would be pretty high on my list um, come this time. And I'm, I'm glad to see that it's kind of stayed that high. It's higher up on mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I gotta agree with Jeff on that one. No one's doing it like Julia DeCarnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the things that she's trying to say with this movie about technology and flesh and gender and just our societal lenses. This is just phenomenal filmmaking where, like, that transition between the first third, like you said, the part that you didn't like as much as the rest of the movie, into uh, (laughs) what it becomes in the back half. Like, who can manage that? hairpin turn like julia ducarno does like i mean granted it's a little flimsy how it goes from that first act to the rest of the movie but like the fact that you don't get like whiplash from that is is just uh impressive it's just a miracle in and out of itself um but agatha russell fantastic performance vincent linden who i really want to see like get like a supporting actor nod from this um two fantastic performances a true two-hander i think this movie um, one of these is uh a debut right yeah yeah agatha russell is uh her first feature film so the best of the year uh, like debut of the year clearly right like that's, yeah it's shocking so, yeah that, that, that's shocking. one you're kind of alluding to right earlier yeah this is what i was alluding yeah. to earlier i mean mm-hmm. shocking that this is her first i mean yeah. unbelievable um i love that batshit first third that you didn't like as much Derek. i fucking <laughs> love that batshit first third um, I love how it goes from batshit craziness to like really tender and like human, and it's also like the craziest movie I've seen all year, and I, I cannot stop thinking about it. So yeah, I tried to get Ashley to watch it. She tapped out. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's a tough sell. It is a tough sell. To give her credit, she's not like I'm never going to watch this movie. It's just, like I can't vibe with this right now, but like maybe another time I'll. I'll, I'll watch. I get that. I can uh, see how you'd have to be in a mood to. to... Yeah, she tapped out uh, at the first murder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's uh, like five oh minutes. Oh boy! In. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> the chopstick in the ear. She was like, "All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're gonna watch this another time. Not right now. I'm not vibing <laughs> with this." <laughs> um, she yeah. liked the nipple thing either, so that was another mm. thing. Yeah, <laughs> I still remember that. Uh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there are yeah. two nipple things. It happens just twice. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Oh my god! I feel like I mean that, that that little like meme cartoon like sickos ha 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 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like people enjoying to ten because <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. yeah I don't know if normal people would enjoy this but if you're one of the sickos like us this movie whips. Good choice, Derek. Thanks. Um, so number two was I think the superior uh, black and white movie that stars a young actor in a role and i really fell in love with mike mills's come on come on um mm-hmm. have you seen this jeff or amir i haven't I have. and joaquin is supposed to be amazing this right yes yeah he's good he's very good I, I mean besides maybe my number one pick this might be my favorite like male performance of the year i think it is unlike 
any Joaquin performance I think I've seen before. I think it's just so tender. And I know he plays his uncle, but I mean, this is really like the pseudo father-son relationship. And I also do love what it says about parenthood and like the struggles of it. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. I just finished watching also The Lost Daughter. The, what that kind of says about also parenthood and like the struggles of that. And like that one's a little bit more dour and depressing versus like. I, yeah, I feel like it says opposite things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, where this at times like it shows that struggle, but it never like gives up on it. Where like parts of The Lost Daughter are a little hard to watch. Um, yeah. And one of the things I praise is um, Woody Norman's performance. Like, Yeah, he's really good, the kid. Yeah. Sometimes, like, kid actors are, like, hit or miss. And honestly, I really, really liked it. And I think that's partly what helps to elevate this movie for me a little bit. Because it really is. Yeah. It's a two, two-hander between Joaquin and, and Norman. Gabby Hoffman as Viv is also really great as like the last piece of that kind of puzzle. Yeah. As the um, mom. And, mm-hmm. As the mom. So yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I feel like not that many people have seen it, which is a yeah, shame. I'm surprised it's that high up on your list. I really enjoyed it. I don't I don't yeah. know. I, yeah. I really liked it too. I just thought it was a little too saccharine for me mm-hmm. and a little slight. Um, but I saw this at New York film festival and I liked it. Sweet, sweet movie. And then uh, my number one, and I'm pretty sure this is pretty high on both of your guys' list too, or at least somewhere on your list. Um, the Matrix Resurrections. <laughs> How did you know? Um, yeah, yeah, it was Pig. For me, I think this is my favorite Nicolas Cage performance ever. Strangely at the top of his game right now, uh, you know, even though he's kind of disappeared a little bit from Hollywood the last like 10, 15 years. Uh, I'm still astonished that this is a directorial debut. It's the movie I think I think about the most this year. And I think what it has to say about like passion and love and like understanding is just so like affecting to me. And and that's why I just like I love this movie. And hands down up there my for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent movie. Um, I agree with everything you said about it. Um, really, really fantastic movie. Nicholas Cage is amazing. I actually recently rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just as good the second time. It's a sad movie. Yeah, it is a sad. Movie. It is sad, but um, it's incredible. I thought it was yeah. so good. I really love Pig. It's really yeah. high up on my list too. Yeah, um, yeah, just what it says about like human connection and our relationship with food, and the movie is a little bit of a rug pull, right? Because oh, you hear Nicolas Cage so. kidnap pig, gotta get him back. He plays a recluse, and like there's that whole Fight Club section in it. You're like, oh shit, this movie's gonna go hardcore on the revenge, but nah, it's doing something else, and I I fucking love that. It's yeah, uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible movie. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I guess that was my top ten. Um... Let's go next. Um, I'll go, and I, lo- right, I yeah. love that our list. I don't think have as much overlap you, uh, you and me, Derek. I, I okay. didn't see like, a bunch of the movies on your list, and I got to go out and watch them. Um, <laughs> okay, so my number ten, we actually already talked about a little bit. It was Dune. As I said, this barely made the cut for me. Mm-hmm. Not too much more to say about it that we already didn't already discuss. Uh, not the biggest Villeneuve head, but I appreciate what he was doing here. I guess is is the best way to put it, even if it didn't fully hit for me. <laughs> I know, that's like damning by faint praise, right? But I have an asterisk t- next to Malignant. You have an asterisk next to Dune. <laughs> it's still the top 10, bro. It's still on there. Another film 
uh, that kind of has an asterisk is my number nine. I don't know if this made it on either of your lists. Uh, Jane Campion's Power of the Dog. I mean, I definitely thought about this. I think the performances are great, but to be completely honest, I kind of checked out a little bit during this movie. Like, it couldn't quite keep me as engaged as much as I wanted it to. And I think that's what made me, like, not really consider it for my top 10. I know exactly Boom. what you mean. I, <laughs> no, no, no. I know exactly that. This is why it's not higher up because. Um, it's gorgeous. The performances are amazing. It's yeah. really intricately plotted and smart and subtle. But I agree with you. It didn't grip me the way I, I wanted it to. It's a film, as I was watching, I was like, I admire this more than I like it. Yeah. Like, you admire the craft. You appreciate how goddamn good everything is. And it is very pretty. But it wasn't, uh, I agree with you, fun to watch or gripping. But it's just so damn good. I couldn't leave it off. It's, it's really, really, really good. Yeah, you it's have way, it higher, right, Jeff? It's way higher up on my list. This is number five for me. Yeah, okay. I just really liked it a lot. And I wasn't fully on board for a lot of the same reasons as you guys were until... It was a slow burn, right? The end. The end is great, though. The, ending the end is, is phenomenal. And I think in my review, I said this movie has like a, a hidden venom, which I think is very, very, <laughs> very good to describe yeah. this movie. Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I think Cody Smith McPhee is really, really good in this. I mean, everyone's so fucking good in this. Um, probably my favorite Benedict Cumberbatch performance. Yeah, he plays like this scumbag so so well, and I think he needs to play villains more often because this was really good. Very layered performance too. There's like notes of tenderness in it. Truly, like unpredictable because you don't know where this movie's going throughout its runtime and and even then it's a gorgeous movie you know Ari Wagner's photography's phenomenal in this and then even though Kristen Dunst takes like a backseat in like the later half of this movie I thought her and her real life husband Jesse Plemons had great chemistry obviously and and I think oh, she's they great. had some great performances too the dueling piano banjo thing is fucking hilarious oh, um how brutal how brutal yeah an uncomfortable watch at times, for sure. It is. It's very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Um, and not super – it's a bit of a slow burn. I appreciate that ending, I think, as much as you, Jeff. I just think that the mm-hmm. slow burn to get there didn't grip me as much as some of the other movies on my list. But, again, like, it's on my top ten of the year. It's uh, uh, it's definitely worth watching. You can see why Jane Campion is yeah. so revered. She's justly you yeah, know, lauded for her, for her skill. And, uh, yeah, comes out with another banger. This is really, really good. It's obviously good. really, really, really good. Right. Yeah. And uh, some of the funniest Facebook comments um, to my <laughs> review on this, like, where is the dog? And <laughs> uh, just one word, gay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's a good one word summary. I know. Just stay off Facebook. That place is a cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next to me? What else you got? Okay. So this is one that I probably wouldn't have put on it because I'd forgotten it was 2021. But uh, it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, one of the first movies we covered this year, right? Or last year, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. We did a whole episode on it. It feels like a trillion years ago. It feels so long ago. And also part of what, uh, like, messed me up was that this was part of the last year's Oscar buzz, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's already won the awards it's going to win, and so it's not in the conversation at all for this year. So yeah. 
I was like, oh, that must have been like 2020. Nope. This is a 2021 film. Um, and uh, I struggled with another movie like very similarly. Like I ultimately left it off my list, even though it's technically 2021. Like, and I, I don't fault you for wanting to put this on your list because it's, it's a great movie. Um, but for me, like I left off Minari. It was technically like already kind of we talked about Wait, it so much. Like Minari, yeah. technically 2021 as well. It yeah. was. It was. Was. Yeah, I was like, ah, you know, we've Ooh, kind right. of like praised it already, Shit. and like we've talked about it, and like technically it's a 2021 movie. Like I wanted to put it on this list, but Shit. I was like, let's not, I guess, for this time. The unambiguous, uh, the unambiguous yeah. 2021 drops. Yeah, I guess. I guess no, but I, I don't fault you because I, I honestly, I loved um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, yeah, I I'm think glad you put it on. I mean, that this performance is, a lot is amazing. More, <laughs> like, and this is a lot more unambiguously 2021, right? Because this premiered at Sundance in February 2021 and then was yeah. released later in February 2021 on HBO Max. Yeah. So this one's not even a technicality, right? Minari yeah. technically was like a limited virtual release end of 2020. Yeah, the, was, the festival run was also in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we were yeah. only able to see it in 2021, right? So like, I could yeah. see why you would leave it off. But yeah, this is unambiguously actually 2021 um, and unambiguously a great film. I'm really glad that I yeah. put it on here. Unlike the other two, I don't have like mixed feelings about this one. This one just whips. Um, <laughs> and it's not like, I don't know, like technically a better movie, that, say, than Dune or Power of the Dog. It's just one that I enjoy the entire package of more, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. Jane Campion is doing some things that Chaka King, like, does not do, you know what I mean? And, like, like there's a lot to appreciate in those other two movies. Uh, Villeneuve is doing some interesting things there, too. They're just completely different movies, different experiences. But I just enjoy the overall package of Judas and the Black Messiah more. I love uh, the politics angle of it, the black history, uh, the performances. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is just riveting. Um, yeah. And Lakia Stanfield is awesome. And, hey, guess who's in this movie as well? Jesse Plemons again. Let's fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really cool um, yeah this is a really good yeah. one um, go back and listen to our episode on it if you haven't definitely a top 10 of the year for me uh, yeah. we'll see it for sure Daniel Kaluuya's Fred Hampton is just sublime I think he's so good yeah I mean I knew he was good but that's gotta be his best role right yeah I think like, so th- I think it's better than Get Out right? which I think is the only other possible contender right yeah yeah no? I don't I mean, know I think Get Out might be a better Movie, maybe I think it's a better movie, but for me, but as yeah. a performance, but, but from his him. performance is miles ahead in this, um, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, like, sure. the star power on this is off the charts, right? He's so yeah. good. At this. That's that, I guess. Wow, we're already at eight for me. So seven. We talked about this already too, Spencer. We went into mm-hmm. it already. This is great. Um, I think. Now that I put this at seven, I'm like, damn, it's actually eight because I'm thinking about, like, okay, because Kristen Stewart is so goddamn good in this. Um, mm. Her performance is amazing. But I'm just thinking of that versus the Magnus and Daniel Kaluuya, and I'm like, man, is that close? Like, those are both two amazing, like, actor-actress of the year performances, right? Like, they're both among the best things you've seen all year, right? So Spencer's up there for mainly the strength of her performance, but I also, I do enjoy, as you guys were talking about, the horror, the dreamlike aspects of the movie. I mean, it, Spencer's very, very good. Uh, definitely worth watching. It's a shame that people didn't seem to appreciate it because I think that despite its flaws, um, Spencer's really, really great, right? Yeah. Um, 
Maybe it's fresher in your mind too. Did you rewatch? Yeah, Jukes I or think. No? Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't rewatch Jukes. Yeah. so yeah, I feel yeah. like maybe had I done so, it might have moved up a couple spaces even. Because yeah. Um, yeah, sure. it's excellent. Um, okay, next for me um, at six is one we actually just already talked about. It's uh, Benedetta. Yeah, I mean, love Verhoeven. Love his like. Scaring of religion, his uh, sort of uh, sexploitation, his um, just everything about what he's doing here is fucking great. Um, yeah, it whips ass. He's someone who, whenever he puts in a movie, it's always worth wanting to go see it. And uh, this one, I think, was no exception. I don't know. This is another one we talked about in detail recently, but yeah, it's pretty incredible. That was number nine on my list, so it's a little lower. Um, mm-hmm. But I love Verhoeven. I don't think I could have made this list without this movie on it. It's just so funny. At times, and so like incisive about all the things it's trying to say, and I think maybe Verhoeven's the only person, only filmmaker who can like balance those tones, no matter how like messy it can get at times. And Virginia Afira's performance is so good in this too. There's this like equanimity to her that like you can't really penetrate while watching this, and and, and it's just so good in this, and it really just adds to that character. Um. Yeah, so master had, satire for Hoven. Did you guys know that he? I think we talked about this on the episode. He's a biblical scholar. You guys knew this, right? Did we yeah. talk about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we I talked about this on the yeah. pod. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, we talked about it on the pod. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he's a, he's a biblical scholar as well. So that's he's just tying together all his interests: um, lesbian affairs, uh, religion, <laughs> <laughs> violence, death, <laughs> plagues. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, this just like every everyone's interest, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. This is this is a hundred percent worth seeing. Uh, I definitely I think I remember I probably liked it the least out of all of us not to say Mm -hmm. I didn't like this movie but clearly I mean it didn't make my top 10 Um, but honestly I did also still enjoy this movie and and definitely recommend it if if anyone can catch it it's it's Paul Verhoeven man come on just just check it out (laughs) yeah just check it out you're not gonna be fucking bored man (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's for damn sure it's got Um, Jesus slicing people's faces off (laughs) <laughs> yeah no genitals either Kendall Jesus I, I do think there's probably no other movie uh, at least that we've talked about that has that so yeah know. that was your number seven or six no that was six that was, that was six. six okay so for a five for me is one that we uh, we've also already talked about in the pod um, it is the green knight from earlier in the year I, mean, I guess it's only the summer but it feels like forever ago now right this is I six know. seven this is, yeah you know, seven months ago or something like that this is the David Lowry, The Green Knight. This sort of dreamlike adaptation of a 14th century poem, sort of going in The Green Knight. Um, Dev Patel, Alicia Vikander. This one's just like a fucking vibe, man. <laughs> it, it owns. It's so good. Um, I don't know. This was one of those films which I feel like it could be polarizing. Like I could see how you could see this and just be like, eh, that didn't really hit for me. But this, for me, this checks all the boxes of, of like genre shit I like. So mm-hmm. um, I'm totally down with this film. Um, did it make either of your lists? Yeah, it's higher up on mine. <laughs> higher up on yours. Yeah. And so yeah, it did not make and didn't make my it for list. Dad, right? I guess what I'll say is that I think this is one of the most visually stunning movies of the year. Just gorgeous to look at. But ultimately, I think after like I sat with the movie longer and longer, like since we've done a review, like I don't really like this movie. Oh, interesting. And I think partially because I felt so alienated by it. I think 
I, I just because like it was very confusing to me. I like I've never read the source material. And I do remember you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> just, yeah, I'm just yeah. very confused throughout That's a lot of the true. movie. You did, you did. Um, so I think that at the end, like, I don't think it's a bad movie, except for like if you feel like you can't understand a movie, that means it's bad. Then I guess it is. But I, I mean, I don't think it's a bad <laughs> movie. It's just this wasn't for me. And yeah, this wasn't even like on my short list, and it's just oh wow, I, I knew it wouldn't make my list. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Like, I mean, like what, like you said, Amir, it's a vibe, right? <laughs> it is. Yeah, got to be down with what Laurie's doing here. So I don't know. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, I loved it. One of the best of the year, I think. Um, just, just as you were saying, Derek, just gorgeous, gorgeous to look at. Beautiful, beautiful film. And uh, I think that wipes away, I don't know, any of the unevenness or any of the other problems I might have had with it. Um, okay. Uh, getting higher and higher. This is one we've also already talked about. This is number four for me was The Last Duel. I'm glad it's higher on your list, at least. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The Last Duel, um, again, we, we just talked about it on the pod. We just talked about it earlier when it was brought up. Um, this one's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I said it before, I'll say it again. Every trial should be by judicial duel. This fucking owns. Um, I'm actually curious. Did uh, The House of Gucci cross either of your minds? No. No. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Not even Just remotely. curious. Gaga's good. Driver's good. But Leto, no. baby. Leto. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, he's good too. You're right. You're right. No, that's, that's a fair point. Far be it for me to be a Jared Leto defender, but he's fucking great. I, I thought yeah. he killed it. Um, but yeah, no. It, it's but just yeah. too much of a mess and it doesn't really fulfill enough of its promise. Yeah. Uh, Despite how much fun I had. Yeah. And I feel like more people saw that than The Last Duel, which is sad. Yeah, which is oh, kind of for sad. Sure, for yeah, sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I guess Gaga just is going to put butts in seats, right? Yeah, I don't even yeah. know if it's Lady Gaga. I think it's more the last duel's own fault than House of Gucci's What uh, happened to this marketing. movie? Did we ever know. figure it out? What happened to this movie? I don't know. It's just hard to put people in seats for Rape Rush. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I'm kidding. Um, House of Gucci is an infinitely easier sell. Just from the name alone and the subject right. matter, I think. Um, right, right, right. Are definitely more uh, familiar with Gucci than they are like Hundred Year Old France or something, right? So yeah, I'm going to keep it moving with number three. Um, again, one we just talked about and extolled um, the virtues of. This is uh, Licorice Pizza. This is one of my favorites of the year. And um, as we get to the top, um, you know, they're all just so good. I really had a tough time placing them all. This one maybe is a little. Bit shaggy in places, places mm, where the pacing's mm. a bit off, which I don't feel like a drop off in the top two. So, like, okay. I think maybe that is like the only distinction. But Licorice Pizza is awesome. I I never walked away from a PTA movie feeling better, feeling more, yeah. like having had more fun, having like understood it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, yes just yeah like just having like wow that was a really fun movie experience like i i was not super psyched about this despite it being him because i was like is this just gonna be like a weird like nostalgic love letter to california the 70s and it was but like my, my fear was that i wasn't gonna get it that it was gonna like, only be for people who like were from that milieu and lived it and understood it and it wasn't that at all it's totally super accessible um, this is a movie that, uh, you don't have to have read the 14th century medieval poem to get into. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, like this is a vibe and, um, and he brings you along with it. 
Because I was like, oh, I have no connection to California. Um, besides you, Derek. Um, <laughs> no connection to California. Um, Especially no in the 70s, right? No con- yeah. yeah, no connection to that yeah. era. Um, like, uh, this movie's going to be a fucking dud for me. And it was just the complete opposite. This blew me away. Um, it was awesome. And, 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 like, the newbie performers were amazing. And, yeah, this was Licorice Pizza, which is great. Um, okay. Number two, another one we already talked about. I think it was only a little different between your and my rankings. Uh, Derek, this was Pig. As I'd said earlier, I just rewatched it. It's fucking amazing. Uh, Nicholas Cage's speech to his ex-protege oh, yeah. in the restaurant about... Whose name is Derek. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I remember right. that. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to have a little podcasting talk after this episode is over <laughs> offline. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just... Uh, Pig is awesome. Um, yeah. It, it makes you feel as sad as looking at pizza makes you feel happy. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a really sad film. Really plucks at the heartstrings. But it's good. It feels... Like tight. I never felt like the pacing in Pig was off. Um, and I think that's shocking because, again, as we talked about, this debut work as well, right? Yeah, I guess tight. it feels tight because it is. Mm-hmm. No wasted space at all. Um, Pig is just excellent. Definitely go out and watch it. You're, you're going to love this one. It's yeah. not just great. It is also like, yes, it's sad, but it is enjoyable to watch. And speaking of the Derek protege character, very unsung actor here, David Nell, who plays him. Really good performance here the short time that he has. Chef uh, Derek Finway. <laughs> yeah. On the recipient end of uh, Nicolas Cage's undressing there is really fucking good. Really good facial acting there. Uh, what else um, has he done yeah. that you like? Because I don't know him from anything. I don't know him from anything. Yeah, oh, I don't know him uh, okay. from yeah, anything, but, he, but I, I think he's good in this. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great in this. Um, yeah. So, also, um, there's also an Amir in this movie, too. How is this not yeah. on number one, Derek? <laughs> this is our movie, dude. I don't understand. This is our like, movie. Couldn't, it's got to be sync up on this no a little bit. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, there's no Jeff. <laughs> that's right. Yes, there's no Jeff in this movie. That's that's what blew it. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> we live in the Strange Harbor's unanimous movie of the year 2021. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pig. All right, what is last. your number one, then? Uh, my number one, you already, you already know what it is. I couldn't stop thinking about this movie all fucking years. To ten, man. Come on. Yeah. This movie just blew my fucking mind. Um, yeah, just the, the most bizarre mishmash of, I don't know, car and human. <laughs> yeah, I've never really seen anything like this movie, you know? Yeah. It does things I don't think another movie this year does. Yeah. Like, just going back and forth, like, between different genres, really intimate, really weird, really just, just mind-blowing shit. Um, I know, I know it's very off-putting, but, like, I'm realizing that I've, I, I'm learning to value these movies where I just go, wow, I just can't stop thinking about this movie. Yeah. And, uh, that's what this is. I really just could not stop thinking about this movie ever since I saw it. So, yeah. Um, go see Tatan. Um, it might take you a couple tries, like Ashley, but eventually, <laughs> eventually once you watch it you'll thank me this movie's dude that fucking rules movie's so, so, good. so amazing yeah. this movie rules alright that's it for me what about you Jeff right. yeah Jeff alright let's run this through real quick because we're running low on time but it's all good, it's all good. I kind of cheated because I have 12 movies on my top 10 <laughs> oh my god 
Uh, so that's the Strange Talkers <laughs> podcast, people. He runs the joint. He gets to break the rules. Only because I'm writing my article and, like, I wanted to include two 2020 releases that didn't get any attention until this year. Okay. Um, that's fair. That's so fair. number 12 for me is The Empty Man. I fucking love this movie. It's so fucking cool. This is one of those movies where you watch it and you just ask the question, how the fuck did they allow this movie to be made? It's such a weird movie, and I think the title really didn't help the movie. It sounds like, oh, Slender Man, or like another one of those creepypasta movies about like those generic boogeymen and like really silly uh, genre exercise. But this is something completely different. I mean, there's a little bit of the creepypasta vibe, you know, like the detective hunts the boogeyman type of thing, but uh, James Badgedale is in this, who plays Chase on 24, Amir. I know you love that. That's right, that's so, right. Yeah. But this movie quickly turns that into, like, something with this crazy ontological dread and, like, this cosmic terror. There's cults in it, gorgeous cinematography, this crazy score, too. Um, there's just nothing out there like it. We should do an episode on this because I fucking love this movie. It's so fucking cool. I was just about to bring this Wait, up. This is like not... the one movie Jeff kept wanting us to do and we still haven't And then you guys never it. did it. <laughs> you guys never fucking did it. Maybe. Maybe we'll have to finally do it. Well, I didn't do it because it didn't even make your fucking list, motherfucker. This is 12. <laughs> so it doesn't even they don't fucking count. <laughs> Move it to 10 if you want me to watch it, motherfucker. You're not convincing anyone with this. You're not convincing anyone with this bullshit. I just feel bad. I don't want it taking up a space in the top 10 because it's technically not a 2021 movie so it's a cool fucking movie thought plus concentration plus time equals flesh (laughs) (laughs) number 11 is another 2020 release that got pushed to 2021 um man the pandemic just did a number on these horror movies that like nobody fucking saw until 2021 so number 11 is saint maud uh rose glasses directorial debut really economical Tight little movie, 84 minutes. It's about this young hospice nurse who undergoes like a, a spiritual crisis and she's trying to quote unquote save this retired dancer who has lymphoma. More body horror in this. Uh, some crazy stuff happens. So, incredible performances. Yes. Feel good movie where everything works out at the end. Yes. One of the best endings of the year, by the way. It's so fucking good. Um, my jaw was on the floor. Really, really good horror movie. Love St. Maud. All right. Realist. Top 10. Let's go. <laughs> right, let's do um, it. None of us had documentaries on our top 10, right? I don't um, think so, no. I, I thought about one, but no. I, yeah, I didn't end up on my list. I thought about The Rescue. You know, the Thai cave mm, that's right. documentary, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was really, really good. But this one kind of eked it out. So number 10 is Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, which is the three and a half hour long uh, (laughs) documentary about folk horror. This movie flew by one of the most like non-medicinal educations that you can get. It's like really diving deep into folk horror about stories that you inherit and like local legends and things um really dives deep into the specific genre of horror that i really really liked and it talks about like stuff that we've all seen you know like the witch uh robert eggers movie but also like really obscure stuff like 
Witchfinder General, Blood on Satan's Claw, <laughs> uh, a bunch of cool stuff. But it's super accessible, super easy to watch. Talking heads, just a rich narrative, just talking about this this genre of horror. I, I love this. It was so fun. And I think this is probably like the longest documentary I've seen where I was like, I just kind of wanted more once it ended. I know that sounds ridiculous because this thing's three and a half hours long, but uh, <laughs> it's great. You guys, you guys should check it out. Um, cool. I think it's on demand. Maybe Apple TV or maybe Hulu. I think it's actually on Hulu. I'm not sure. Don't don't hold me to it, but um, it's really good. Uh, number nine is Benedetta. I mean, we've already talked about it. Paul Verhoeven, master of satire. Derek, this wasn't on your list, right? No, it was not. Yeah, it wasn't. No, yeah. No. I did listen to another podcast and they were saying how like this movie has one of the best props or like objects in, in a movie. <laughs> the the this one year. Jesus yeah. dildo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I thought that was just one of the funniest things I heard someone say about their top ten list. <laughs> what number was this for you, Amir? This was six. Surprised I ranked this the highest. I thought you really liked this. I did really like it. I don't Sorry, know. keep going, keep going. Uh number eight. The Matrix Resurrections, bitch. <laughs> Why Fuck isn't this number this one, movie. Jeff? No. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. Big swing, really connected with me in a big way. Um, yeah. Love this fucking movie. I've just come to the conclusion that you guys are fucking cypher from the first Matrix movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd rather have ignorance. <laughs> I'd rather be eating the steak, man. <laughs> you, just, you just want that fucking steak. And yeah. Lana Wachowski won't give it to you. And I fucking <laughs> admire the fuck out of it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Um, but you guys just want the steak. Uh, love this movie. What it says about like nostalgia, the reboot complex, just really bristling against the the concept of the legacy sequel. I really fucking love this movie. Good love story. I don't want to hear your arguments. Okay, I can already yeah, hear I'm you. Not, I'm not, you know, what? I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I actually was going to ask Samir. Have you uh, uh, at all thought about rewatching it? No. No. <laughs> no. You guys are just Joey Pants in Matrix 1. You just want yeah, that man. steak. It's a great actor. Steak, it's an man. honor. It's an <laughs> honor to be Cypher. You guys are just I like... I love steak. <laughs> you guys are just like, I don't want to remember nothing. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel yeah. about the Matrix Resurrections. I don't want to remember nothing. <laughs> we'll talk about it in 10 years when you guys come around to it, okay? Yeah, right, it sounds so, good. Uh, so we did with Reloaded and Revolutions. You guys will come to the, the realization that this movie rocks. All right. All right, number seven, uh, something we've talked about twice. Um, it was on both Derek's list and your list, Amir. The Last Duel. I mean, what else can we talk about? This This movie rules. Ridley Scott. And he's doing a Napoleon movie? Yeah. Well, Jodie Comer was in it, but then she she just dropped out of it. Too bad. Yeah. yeah she is great in this. kind of talked about this during our review. Is this like the oldest director on your list? It's probably the oldest director on all of our list, right? Cool. Yeah. Well, he's older than Verhoeven, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's older than Verhoeven. So then, yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. 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 I mean, still, as old as he is, man, still rocking out bangers, right? Yeah. I mean, he just edged out Verhoeven by a year. 83 and 84. Years oh, okay. Old, respectively. Respect to both those directors. Who's the youngest director on here? Probably Julia Ducarneau, no? Is it? Or maybe David Lowry. It may be David Lowry. No, I, I don't think it's David Lowry either. What about the director who did Pig? Oh, maybe Michael yeah, Sarnowski's young, right? He's... I don't know how old he is. Shit. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, I think we talked about it on the episode, too. I just don't remember. Oh, uh, yeah. Didn't we kind of guess that he might be like 20-something? Mid-20s, maybe? 
no way he's 20 no. something. I, thought he, I think he's a couple years younger than us, maybe, which still feels yeah. fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, um, feels real bad, man. Yeah, I don't see his age anywhere. Uh, yeah, Julia Ducarno is 38, so only a couple years older than us. Um, still makes me feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, number six, Spencer. I mean, we've already talked about it. It was on all our lists, right? Yes. Um, but we talked about it. It's, it's pretty much around this spot, right? Like, I think me and Amir was seven yeah. and you had six. For me, this is number six. Power of the Dog is number five. Both Spencer and Power of the Dog have uh, Johnny Greenwood scores, which were really, oh, yeah. really good. Some of the best parts of both of those movies, uh, the score, he's just having a great year. Yeah, number five, Power of the Dog. Really, really liked it. I think I've said everything I wanted to say about it. Jane Campion firing on all cylinders. Fantastic cast. Great ending. Love that movie. Benedict Cumberbatch, all-timer villain performance. Or antagonist. He's not really a villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's probably a better term. Uh, number four is Licorice Pizza. I don't think there's just any movie where I came out gave me that feeling that Licorice Pizza did. Um, just a big old smile on your face, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just a warm, fuzzy feeling that I, I really, really liked coming out of that movie. Number three is Pig. Uh, we all fucking love Pig. Nothing too much to say about that. Nicolas Cage. Man, I hope he does something like this again soon. Yeah. I mean, I know he has that, what is it, the movie about himself, basically, that's coming out this year? Oh, boy. Yeah. That is a, <laughs> what we call a fucking risk, boys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to it because it's just like, this, hopefully the, the level of satire in that is just going to be great just to watch. But I would rather see Nicolas Cage in more of these roles than, you know, the direct-to-DVD or VOD stuff. Like, I think he's really settled on the last 10, 15 years. When he hits, he hits. He's really good. It's really good. I, I still think he's one of the best actors of our generation. It's just uh, sometimes he he takes weird projects and, and it doesn't really pan out. But always respect Nicolas Cage. Number two is The Green Knight. Um, oh, you have it pretty high. Yeah, I have it high. That's I love really Green high. Knight. Yeah. Wow. Just some incredible visual filmmaking here. For like a fraction of the budget of like these Marvel movies and like the superhero mm-hmm. stuff. And it looks like 10 times better. Maybe 15 yeah. or 20 times better than, than any of those movies. Yeah, Dev Patel is fantastic in this. I love the liberties it takes with the original source material and like the twist that it places upon like the Arthurian legend. Yeah, it's good. I, I understand why you didn't like it that much, Derek. It, it is a vibe, like we've said before, but it's my vibe. <laughs> yeah. I, I love this shit. I'm happy it's somebody's. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a cool, cool movie. No, um, yeah. I Like I said, visually, I think it's just striking. Just striking. My number one movie, Titan. <laughs> so we have two people with that in number one. And what was it I on get, yours? It was number three for me. Number three. Okay. It's, yeah. So it's, it's still pretty high. so good. Yeah, it's still high. Yeah. It's interesting that doing research for this podcast, you know, looking at other people's lists. I mean, there's been a lot of other people's like top tens or even like top two or threes. Been a lot of like foreign films like Tatan being up there high. Drive My Car uh, being high, which is a movie I haven't seen and I, I want to see, but I just like haven't had access to it yet. Yeah. There's the, I don't remember the name, but part of the Oslo trilogy. Oh, uh, The Worst Person in the World. Yes, yes, thank you. The Worst Person in the World. Yeah, um, I haven't had a chance to see Drive My Car or The Worst Person in the World yet, so... Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of what I was like, oh, there might be some movies like I haven't seen yet that might like, yeah. bump some of these, and those might Ooh, be it, you know, because I've okay. seen it so high on other people's list. Yeah. Um, 
I am happy with currently where my list is. Like I'm, I, I really enjoyed all these movies that I've watched. I think this was a great year for movies. I mean, even though like we really didn't have like the first three or four months of this year to like have any actual like theatrical releases, right? Like it's still kind of a condensed year compared to like most movie years. And we still got a lot of great movies coming out, you know, at the, the back half of this year. So I was really, yeah, it's been a great year. There's a lot of stuff that I meant to see that I haven't gotten a chance to see. Yeah. Um, I'm still looking to see Macbeth, as you said, mm-hmm. malignant. Um, Belfast is on a lot of people's lists. Haven't seen that. Uh, people are mentioning like parallel mothers and like lost yeah, daughters yeah. and like there's a lot of these movies that I actually haven't gotten a chance to see that I'd love to see. So yeah, it's, a very, yeah. it's, a, it's been a rich, yeah. rich year, I think. Yeah, like yeah, some of the movies that made my short list but didn't make my list. Like I was last minute changing kind of stuff in and out. Like Zola almost made my list. I really Ooh, really love Zola. Wow, I like that. Um, That's cool. I don't think it would have ever made my list, but it definitely made my short list. Was Lamb? I really I enjoyed that. Uh, the Nomi. Mm. Numi Rapace movie uh, about a boilers human slash lamb hybrid creature. Um, but yeah. it's surprisingly very tender and very sweet. And I really love that movie. But looking behind the curtain, we talked a little bit about like, you know, we are a movie and TV podcast. We do cover TV. And, you know, I, I brought up the idea of maybe like including TV in our list. But ultimately, we want to just stick with movies. But like, do you guys have any like favorite TV shows or, or things you've seen this year? Oh, man. That's a big ask. Um, off the top of my head, I'll be honest. I can't think of anything Yeah, no, it's anything good. that I can rank with like, oh, this is a great TV series on the level of like recent Golden Age of TV stuff. Um, and nothing I can think of that stands with the kind of movies that we're talking about. I want to say Midnight Mass is really fucking good. Um, we did a whole episode on that. I was going to say like if we were to like include TV on this, I think Midnight Mass would be number two for me. Wow. I think it is so good. Like, I think it rivals a lot of these movies that we've seen as, -hmm. like, something that I still – like, I would come back to this. It's something I still think about a lot. I've never really seen any of Mike Flanagan's stuff, right? Like, we talked about this on the podcast. It wasn't really on my radar until Jeff's like, hey, we should really do an episode about this. And, like, I was like, all right. And I watched it, and I I loved it. And it's it's seriously one of my favorite things I've watched this year. Um, I was pretty underwhelmed by the Disney plus Marvel stuff. Yeah, Although I do think Loki is a cut above the other ones. Um, you know what? Surprisingly, I, I'll eat my words, but like Hawkeye became one of my favorites. Actually, it became I, pretty decent. I'm not gonna yeah. say it's one of my favorites. It got better pretty quick. Like that first half yeah. that we saw that we talked about was not very good, and, and the second yeah. half was definitely strong. It went from something I borderline hated to something that was not bad. Actually, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, Invincible. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's cool bad. fun. Mm-hmm. Mayor of Easttown. I really oh, liked. Oh, yeah. I didn't totally see that. Yeah, that was this year. did enjoy that. I mean, uh, we yeah. can't talk about this year without, like, probably one of the biggest things that happened this year was, like, Squid Game. Like, I think. Yeah, Squid that Game. Thing blew up maybe more than it deserved to, but I did. I do think it, it is good. Like, I really enjoyed Squid Game a lot. Okay, so it's I good. actually didn't see Squid Game because I was like, oh, it's been hyped up so much. This is just bullshit. But then I read her, <laughs> but then I read a review and it was like, oh, no, this is like genuinely actually just very good. And it's like, yeah, don't, it it like, don't let the hype dissuade you. So I don't know. I'm like, fuck. Maybe I do actually have to go back and watch it. Like in yeah. my head, it was like, oh, this is like, I don't know, the fucking Tiger King of, no, you no, know, this no. winter or something, you know, no. just a fad that everyone's talking about and it's going to blow over and the people are going to be like, oh, what the fuck was Squid Game? Yeah. yeah. 
And the last two things I'd probably mention is I really enjoyed White Lotus. Yeah, and, White Lotus was good. And Hacks on HBO. So both Hacks, those I really yeah. liked. Yeah. Yeah, we did that TV episode where you mentioned Hacks. Yeah, I really liked Hacks. But I, I don't think we've ever really talked about White Lotus. But man, White Lotus is hilarious. One of the funniest it's things good. I think I've, I like I've seen White this Lotus year. Yeah, it's so good. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't bring up um, Yellow Jackets, Jeff. Well, I was just going to bring it up. Fucking Yellow nice. Jackets. <laughs> Dude, this show is so fucking good it's yeah. really really good Christina Ricci is um, amazing we should do an episode on it are you caught up I'm not caught up I've watched like the first four episodes so I need to catch up still they're totally gonna yeah. eat that baby right <laughs> oh I don't know <laughs> don't spoil anything for me yet. <laughs> <laughs> love uh, it when a discussion about a show starts that way <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Totally uh, you don't get baby. a beer to, to yeah. get into the, the show. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's how you get me. A little bit of cannibalism. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, like, just to recap, been a good year for movies, been a good year for TV, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to 2022. I mean, I, there's already some titles I'm, I'm excited about. Yeah. But, yeah, if there's nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? You can find me catching up on all the movies that I missed this year. Um, and maybe <laughs> be watching The Matrix Resurrection. Uh, you can find me at The World's Okayest Photos and Screen Agents Guild. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our best movies of the year episode with a little bit of TV sprinkled in, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. Uh, maybe let us know what you guys liked, uh, anything that we missed on our list, something that you really liked that we didn't even mention. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to do that. Shoot us an email at jeff at com. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you guys then.